thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is Blake Brunson. And my name is Mari Brunson. And we'll be reading Ephesians 2, 17-22. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together, and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together, to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Blake and Mari, thank you so much for reading the scripture today. Appreciate you doing that. So just a reminder, next week we have a schedule change. Very exciting. We're going to be starting a second worship service. Uh, as We've waited a long time for this, had to wait a long time for this. We're finally going to be offering another worship service, but it does mean a time change. So we will have a worship service in Celebration Hall at 945, and the worship in here will be at 11. This service will continue to be live-streamed at 11. So those of you worshiping online, it'll be 11 starting next week. The 945 service in Celebration Hall will not be exactly like what some of you remember from back before the pandemic. Uh, We are working on getting a new staff person who will lead worship in here, and at that time, Tracy can move to lead worship in Celebration Hall. For now, we're going to keep this service pretty much the way it is. We will be singing hymns, we'll have soloists and such in Celebration Hall. That'll be at 945 starting next week. Uh, we still will have the same protocols. We invite you to uh, sign up for worship. Please, it's just to let us know you're coming because we're not going to pass those pads anymore. Remember we used to do that? That was our way of keeping track of who's here and who, you know, just, and, and, and knowing all that. Well, now we just do it online. It's the same thing, just doing it online. So we invite you to continue to do that. Uh, and uh, for those of you who are vaccinated, masks are optional, of course. Uh, and all those changes that we've recently made. So we're looking forward to that next week. That's going to be a lot of fun to have the two services starting next week. And so today we begin the series, uh, The Rock of Ages. The Rock of Ages. We're going to start in the 1950s today. Music, culture, and hairstyles have certainly changed a lot over these years from the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s. But we're going to look at those decades and some of the things about those decades But we're also going to look at some of the timeless truth that we see in the Scripture in relation to that time. So the 1950s were a time often described with the word boom. Boom. Baby boom, for one thing, right? I mean, you had, starting in 1946, really, after the World War II, uh, you had uh, all kinds of folks who were back from uh, the war effort, and so they were getting married, they were having kids, and so when those kids began to be of school age, of course, it was in the 1950s. So they're having to build schools like crazy, Uh, so you had the baby boom, uh, which uh, some of us can testify to the baby boom years. Um, I don't know about your family, my family, my, my oldest sister was born in 1946, and I was born in 1961, so we pretty well spanned the baby boom years. So uh, some of you may be in that that same kind of generation. So I know we don't know what you mean. Got the baby boom. We have the economic boom that happened in the 50s because all of those people, the materials, the resources that were focused on the war effort in the 40s could be utilized at home. And so people came home and they, there were jobs. And so they got jobs and they were pretty well paying jobs. 
And so all those resources, of course, began to be utilized in the economy. So you had an economic boom in the 50s. Life was pretty good in a lot of different ways. Then you had a boom of the suburbs. That's when the suburbs really took off. Developers, of course, would buy large parcels of land at the edge of a community and utilizing some of the things that had been learned through World War II, you know, mass production and the use of materials and such, they began to build tract houses. You know, houses that were all very similar or very alike in a neighborhood because they could build them quickly and easily and people would buy them and so you had this rush to the suburbs. So boom could be used to describe a whole lot of the 1950s and a lot of folks would look back on those times and say, wow, those were the good old days. Well, there was, there was a lot of great things about the 50s. But the 50s were also a time of maintaining and enforcing distinctions. Maintaining and enforcing distinctions. For one thing, you had the Red Scare. Right? Following World War II, when, uh, of course, the fall of Hitler and the Nazis, but then you had the rise of communism. And so, and of course, the color associated with that was red. Also, sometimes even just called the Reds. And so you had the Red Scare, and there were people, including Joe McCarthy, the senator from Wisconsin, who claimed that you know, the, the communists had infiltrated uh, our entertainment business and, and our uh, business world and uh, politics, and I've got names on paper. And everybody was, a scare, was scared of communists and communism. And, and so, uh, and, and you know, this, that's, that was one of those eras where the truism really is proven to be true, that if you have a hammer in your hand, everything starts looking like a nail. Right? Because they were so sure that there were so many communists that, I mean, really, it was, some people could even just say something about the color red. Are you a communist? No. So you had the red scare, maintaining this distinction. Now, interestingly, it was usually not just the, talked about the communists, it was the godless communists. Because they were officially, as a, as a geopolitical entity, they were atheistic. So they were the godless communists. As a matter of fact, you know in the Pledge of Allegiance, which had been around for a while, there were two words added to the Pledge of Allegiance in the 1950s. Because even the pastor of President Dwight D. Eisenhower said that he could imagine the Pledge of Allegiance being said by school kids almost anywhere about their own country. He could imagine those little Moscovites, communist children, saying the Pledge of Allegiance and what they mean is honoring the Soviet Union. So do you know the two words that were added? Under God. Under God. Because we're not like those godless communists. A distinction. Making sure we were clear about that. Well, Domestically, segregation was an issue. Segregation was a huge issue. It was in the 50s, the Brown versus Board of Education, right? Challenging the whole separate but equal idea of education that, that we'd have a white school and a black school and they would be separate but equal. Except, of course, the black schools were never equal to the white schools. They did not have the same textbooks and the same resources and the same opportunities. And they didn't have those. And of course, the Supreme Court said, no, you can't do that any longer. You must integrate. Well, those were challenging days. Those were challenging days. In the 1950s, you had Rosa Parks, 
sitting down on a bus because she was tired and it was in a seat that was for whites only, but she sat there anyway. It sparked a whole, <laughs> a whole movement. Not even the military was integrated until 1948, at least not officially. I mean, there were some efforts that happened prior to that, but not until President Truman signed into law the integration of the military armed forces did that happen. So in the 1950s, you had a lot of issues going on with segregation. And the, and the last one I'll mention, because there were distinctions that continued to be uh, maintained and enforced. Uh, and this one is a little more uh, interpretive, but it's, there were some gender things. I mean, there was kind of the renewal of the woman's places in the home during the 1950s. Now, to some degree, part of that is because so many of them were having kids. So woman's place is in the home to take care of the kids and cook and clean and do laundry and those kinds of things. Now, it, that's interesting because a lot of those women during the war effort, World War II, were working in factories. They were helping build the planes that were being flown in Europe and in the Pacific Theater. They were driving buses. They were working. They had to. Now, I'm quite sure many of them were very, very happy when the war was over to say, oh, thank goodness, I don't have to drive a bus anymore. I don't have to work in the factory anymore. I don't, I'm sure there were a lot that were very happy about that. But there were some number of women who were saying, wait a second, no one asked us. No, no one asked us who's deciding the woman's place is in the home. Now, you really see that erupt in the 1960s. It has its roots in the 50s. So, the 1950s were a time of boom. There were a lot of great things happening and great music, like rock around the clock, right? Great dance song, Bill Haley and the Comets. Came out on a 45. It was on the B side of a 45. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, there's a few, there's a few, right, right. It was on the B side of a 45. It was not even known for a while until, there's a long story, but it was finally discovered. There were a lot of great things about the 50s, but there were also some distinctions that were happening in the 50s. Have you ever been on the other side of a distinction? You know what I mean. I mean, that, that you I either were told directly or or indirectly, or it was just kind of clear the unspoken message was you didn't belong somewhere, somehow, for whatever reason. You, you're, you were not highly educated enough. You don't come from the right family. You did something early in your life that was a really bad mistake, and we're just not going to associate with you. You don't speak the right language. You have a different skin color. Whatever it is, See, generally, those kinds of distinctions are someone else making a distinction. Well, let me put it this way, that when we tend to make a distinction among people, we always put ourselves on the good side of the distinction, don't we? I mean, you think about the, you think about the, the Pharisee, the story Jesus told of the Pharisee and the publican praying in the temple. Uh, the Pharisee, with his richly ornate liturgical clothing and holding the, the, the Torah, the law of God, and praying in the temple to be noticed... And you had the, the publican, the poor person who, who had nothing, who was on the fringes of society, praying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus saying, who offered the more righteous prayer? It was the one who said, God, have mercy on me. 
was not the one who had it all. Well, you see, people, people of God have been working through distinctions for a long time. It's, it's not, I mean, it, it's been happening now. It happened in the 1950s. It happened a very long time ago. As a matter of fact, we see a, a, an example of this in Acts chapter 6, when uh, the, this new Christian community was now gathering, and they were doing life together so that everyone had everything they needed, and they were, they were fulfilling the command of the Bible from way before Jesus to take care of the people most vulnerable in your population, which in that day and time would have been the widows and orphans. So the teaching, take care of the widows and orphans. So here are the widows, and they would receive a food distribution every day. But in Acts chapter 6, there was something happening. Some of these widows who were in this new Christian community, this new thing called church, some of them came from a Hebrew background. Some of them came from a Greek background. Now, some of those from Hebrew background, probably, they knew of the Torah. They knew the Ten Commandments. They knew of the story of the Exodus. Uh, the people of the Greek background might not. They might have even known of other religions. Might not have even known Hebrew. They just spoke Greek. And someone noticed that the Hebrew widows were getting more food than the Greek Hebrews. They said, we think that's a problem. They went to the apostles, you know, Peter and James and Thomas and Matthew, they said, we think this is a problem. He said, you're right, it's a problem. Everybody should receive the same because there's no distinction. This is what Paul is getting at in this letter to the, the Christians in Ephesus that Blake and Mari read just a little bit ago. In a sense to say, there are no distinctions. Jesus took them away. There are no distinctions between God's people. He is our peace. He has brought together those who are near and those who are far. He has brought them together, and in doing so, creates something different. Now, in 1 Corinthians, Romans, he talks about the body of Christ, the image of the body of Christ. We all are different parts. We have different functions, but we're one body. Well, here he uses the notion of a building or a temple. So here again, verses 21 and 22, where Paul writes, In him, in Jesus, the whole building of all its various parts is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. That we are being built together as a holy temple to God, and that by living the way God intends us to live, by understanding that there is no distinction in this temple, it is an act of worship in everyday life. Living as if there are distinctions among God's people is to live by the lower story. Those of you who followed the story over those months, we talked about the upper story, God's purposes, God's intentions, and then there's the lower story, the choices we make. It is to live by the lower story. Even in our worship today, we're do, we, we had baptisms, we're going to do communion. Both of those emphasize there is no longer distinction. No longer distinctions being made. By the grace of God, we're all included. God loves us all. When I was a rookie preacher, I mean, really, in my first year, uh, I was an associate at a church uh, elsewhere, and there were a couple of sisters in the church grown, uh, who were very, very active in the church. The younger one was pregnant when I moved there, and when she got closer to delivery, she said, would you baptize the baby when the baby's born? Sure, of course I will. It was going to be my first baptism, my very first. So uh, time came, the baby was born, and it was time 
getting close to time for that baptism to happen. And, you know, word came out, you know, on our newsletter and things like that, in worship this week, we'll baptize this baby. Some talk began to happen because some people in the church thought that baby should not be baptized. The baby should not be baptized because her mother is not married. Conceived out of wedlock. A single mother. You should not baptize that baby. See the distinction? Oh, don't worry. The baby was baptized. Don't worry. We so easily want to make these distinctions between people. When the clear teaching of the Scriptures, those distinctions don't exist. Jesus has removed them, obliterated them. On another occasion, I was having uh, coffee with a, a pastor. We, we were going to meet, talk through several things. Uh, and this other pastor was, is Hispanic. And we were talking about various things. And somewhere along the way, she said, I just have a question. So, why is it the leadership of the conference keeps talking about our need to do Hispanic ministry? Do people not think we're doing Hispanic ministry? I do an English service, I do a Spanish-speaking service, she said. I reach out into the community every day among Anglos and Hispanics. Is that not Hispanic ministry? What, what needs to happen? Well, I thought that was a pretty good question. Because, well, you know how that goes, most of the conference leadership were white, saying we need to do Hispanic ministry. She said... Can't we just do ministry together? Now, she was asking me rhetorically, you know, she said, just can't we do ministry together? Understanding that we have different strengths and we can just do those together? I mean, right, she's pushing back on the idea that there's some kind of distinction between God's people. Yeah, Jesus removed the distinctions. Some of those distinctions we still try to make, we still try to hold on to, saying, well, you know, there's those of us who are in and those who are out. Living without those distinctions is freeing. It is joyful. And it is to live our worship of God every day. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your grace that is available to everybody to accept your love and your forgiveness and to be brought into you, the family. Help us, God, to have the courage and the strength and the insight to not live by those distinctions that so many people try to create, so many people try to enforce. People that we disagree with, people who have some different practices, to understand that your people are your people. And all of us are accepted by your grace. God, during this time, as we look back some different years, help us to look back and to learn to celebrate the good things about those years, and also to learn so that we can continue to be the people that you intend. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.